Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is The Athletic Baseball Show on The Athletic Podcast Network. Swings here and he drives one deep in the center. Puig is racing back, still going back. He looks up, it's gone! Over the center field wall for Hunter Pence. Pence will touch them all and score them all. A grand slam for Hunter Pence. It's not easy when it's tough. That's when you find out what you're made of. You get so much Brisby in your ears if you want it. If you want Brisby, oh gosh, you get it. Anybody want coffee? I'm making coffee. Anybody want? Yes! 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 I'm a frequent coffee drinker. I'm part of the club. I have a card. You're listening to The Baseball Barista with Hunter Pence and Grant Brisby on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 29 of The Baseball Barista with Hunter Pence and Grant Brisby presented by Topps. Check out Topps Project 70 celebrating 70 years of Topps baseball cards. Hunter Pence, how are you doing today? I'm outstanding. Uh, so much playoff baseball juice running through my veins. It's been awesome. How are you, Greg? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. And it feels like it had to come to this uh, after a year of talking baseball with you and ignoring the Red Sox. Uh, we didn't ignore the Red Sox, but we probably haven't been talking about them as much as they might have warranted. It's time to talk Red Sox. The Red Sox are in the ALCS. They're going to face the Astros. We know that the Braves are in the NLCS. They're going to face either the Giants or the Dodgers, which is the last division series game remaining. This is an exciting time. As much as I love the days with four division series games, like that's one of my favorite baseball holidays. It's like opening day, the four playoff game day. Uh, I love a good NLCS, ALCS, like when you can have two of those games in the same day, that's like chef's kiss. Yeah, and you're right. Like it it does get sad as there becomes less and less games. But like when games become kind of like this one where it's the last of the division series and it's it's all or nothing it's kind of like once again we got the the wild card adrenaline going you know whoever wins goes on and whoever loses goes home Webb versus Urias which is like this is a chef's kiss game you know because yeah it's great when there's two games and like we got a seven game series there's wiggle room and there's time there's no time so that's why this is the prime right here right now you can't ask for better Giants Dodgers win or go home talk to me Grant it is bananas because you have the the one pitcher who really just shut down the Dodgers in Logan Webb. You have a pitcher who has shut down the Giants for most of the year uh, in Urias. And you're going to have like guys behind them. You're going to have Kevin Gossman maybe come in and for a save or something in the 13th inning. You, you might have Max Scherzer pitch a couple innings. I mean, you have no idea. It's going to be kitchen sink. It's going to be just, you know, Gabe Kapler and Dave Roberts emptying their pockets, emptying whatever they've got onto the field because this is it. Like if you went 
Anyone who wins this game has to feel good going into an NLCS against the Braves. If you can get past either the 107-win Giants or the 106-win Dodgers, like you're feeling pretty good about your chances to win everything. Here's the thing about that, Grant. We need to first focus on this game, but before we start getting comfortable because we beat the however many win team, it's the playoffs, and you can never get comfortable because look at the 100-win Rays who have now lost, like you said, to the Red Sox who are grit. This is the first time I've gotten to sit and watch them play, and I'm going to get into that later. But right now I want to get into this pitching matchup of Giants and Dodgers and how hot and how incredible both of these pitchers are. Like if I was in a, or if you were in a win or go home situation, is there a different pitcher you would want on the planet for either team? Like Logan Webb, when's the last time he has lost? Logan Webb, I think, boy, it has been a while. I mean, like May is when. It's like four or five months since he's lost and he's been like as good as it gets. And he's like, and there's a reason. It's not a coincidence. There's like, there's a fight in him. There's a, he's just a great human that works hard, grinds hard, gets after it. And then the same with Urias. He's ended the major league season. You know, like he's just like got this killer instinct. He got an RBI hit. Like, there may be one pitcher that I've seen in all of this playoffs that I would put in the same ring of like, this is who I want in a winner go home. But is there anyone you can say that you want more than Urias or Webb for this particular game? Not anyone like on the either roster. I mean, I could go, if you're giving me a time machine, getting Clayton Kershaw to come back in. <laughs> I'm talking about right now, no, that's it. today. Is there a pitcher on the planet you want more than these two? Like maybe you could argue Scherzer. Maybe you could argue that. But there's one other one that, I, that I've that i seen in this playoffs that I'm like, these are the three. And, and I mean, Scherzer's probably a, a wiggle four for me. If you're talking specifically against the Giants, it would be Urias because he just matches up so well. The Giants can throw a lot of right-handed batters at him, but he just, for whatever reason, for years now, just seems to dismantle the Giants piece by piece. Logan Webb, you know, not for years now. Logan Webb is a recent phenomenon. I mean, last year, his ERA was uh, in the fives, and it was kind of like, well, you know, at some point, this guy is going to be a decent back-end starter. This guy might be a good, you know, starter one day, and then all of a sudden he comes off the IL and that one day is now. And it's not like he's a back end starter. It's, oh, this guy is a force. When I saw game one, it was the best playoff performance I'd seen in person since Tim Lincecum in 2010. And I wrote about it because it was like, that performance was transcendent to me. And I thought I'd never see anything like it again. Just the way he dominated the Braves in 2010. The difference is, is that Lincecum, you kind of had expectations for. He's a two-time Cy Young winner. He was a, a guy who started the All-Star game. He was the face of the franchise. Logan Webb is still someone like we should be getting used to. And yet I'm not getting used to him. It's every time he starts, it's like, oh, here's, you know, here's the ace, you know, coming down, throwing ace stuff. It's weird how quickly we got used to him. Well, I mean, everyone, ha there's like a delay. There's It's like a Polaroid picture in like, prime performance in the world like started to be like oh dang like this is for real you know like Jake Arrieta had had like this year and a half window where he was like insane and no one knew about him and then all of a sudden we had like five years of knowing about him because he had like a 0.7 ERA two-year window that was like crazy so like Logan Webb's in that window where like the world doesn't yet completely understand how good he is but Urias is kind of like hitting the end of that window where the world's like oh wait 20 wins 21 wins at this particular moment 
And it's you say he has it against the Giants. It's not the Giants. It's everybody. This dude is fierce. And so is Logan Webb. This is a u- unique, unique scenario situation. 106 wins, 107 wins. The best pitchers on the planet right now going at it. It is like the most perfect storm. And I'm so pumped for it. But it, 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 for for talking sake and fun, I, w- I just want to know if you have another pitcher. Because you say, yeah, you say Urias versus Giants, but it's everybody. I want to know, like, because just for, because I have someone that you're going to be like, okay, yeah, that, that one is going to be fun to mix in with these two. All right, so if I could just place any pitcher from baseball onto a roster and have him in this game. Right now. Right now. Yeah, yeah, right now. Uh, I, I think In all of baseball. I think Otani would make for great theater. I think Otani would be, you're, you're getting this guy and he's got the stuff, but you're also getting him in the lineup. I think that would make for great theater. He's not a good, as good a pitcher as either of these two. I'll take these two versus Otani. Scherzer, I think, would be my guy right yeah, now. Yeah, Scherzer's in there. Yeah. Freed. Okay. Max Freed. Okay, you're, you're a Freed booster. I mean, he is disgusting. <laughs> he has it all together. That's the only one other one I've seen in the playoffs where I'm like, so if I was to like write a story and be like, this is the matchup like I want to see. Uh, and, and you can't say that this is like the World Series matchup because it's not the World Series. But unfortunately, the two best teams are facing each other, you know, of the regular season right now. And it's there. It's the two like most prime young. These both are both young. Can you give me ages here? I, I should know this off the top of my head. But like Logan Webb is deceptively young, and Urias is deceptively young. Webb is twenty four, I believe, and uh, Urias is twenty five. And they're the prime of the prime. There's two other pitchers on the planet that you would maybe. And it's not like you would rather have them. It's like they're in this echelon right now. And I mean, obviously, Eovaldi. Watching Eovaldi. He's up there for me. And I know that his numbers aren't like they're there as far as regular season, but playoff Eovaldi, confidence, mastery, power. He's fun to watch. I've got another one. Uh, Corbin Burns. I think Corbin Burns would be on there. He pitched, uh, what did he pitch? Six scoreless uh, in his one appearance in the NLDS. The the Brewers were saving him for a game five that never happened. That's a little bit rough, but I think Corbin Burns is in that discussion of, you know, this guy, you know, he throws everything for strikes, uh, 100 miles an hour. I mean, he's nasty. I could see that. I still like Freed better than than Burns, but he's definitely in that. And and 100% Burns is in that in that caliber and in that in that discussion. So, there's probably more than we're giving credit for, but that's just what I've seen. So, that being said, that's going to be exciting. Can't wait for Thursday. Do you have a prediction because I do want to go over our predictions and how good or bad they've been. Man, I feel like I get superstitious. You know, I don't want to predict. I just straight up don't want to predict. Uh, it's it's going to be a little bit barfy. Like, I, again, and I keep hammering this point home, I am uh, more of a writer than a fan now, but it's just hard to untangle the DNA that built up over decades to where when I think about Giants-Dodgers elimination game, there's still something that breaks in my brain. And it's like, I get nervous about it. And, mo- and I'm just excited to have a good story. That's what I'm rooting for as a writer. At the same time, like, am I being honest with myself? I don't know. Like, I'm I'm getting a little barfy thinking about it. So prediction is, <laughs> okay. uh, you know, there was a really good vibe in game one. The fans were great. It was nuts. You had Steve Young and Jerry Rice leading a beat LA chant. And that kind of set the tone and everything was humming. Game two was a little bit, you could feel it from the very first pitch. It was just a little bit down. 
this is not going to be down. This is going to be as raucous as Oracle Park gets. I think that's going to make a difference. Uh, I think the Giants getting a look at Urias within the last week is going to help them a little bit. At the off day where they can prepare with their fancy pitching machines to mimic Urias, that's going to help a little bit. So I will take the Giants as A, a homer, but B, I think that you know you always want to just give the advantage ever so slightly to the home team. We both took the Giants in this series. I'm giving a slight edge. Like Obviously, this game is, is going to go either way. I'm giving a slight edge to the Giants because of similar less rest for Urias, a little more rest for Webb. Giants saw him more recently. But at the same time, man, this is a pound for pound. Uh, it, it's a tough matchup both ways. So, and, and you can say the same for the Dodgers as they get a chance to adjust to what they saw from Logan Webb. So it's going to be, no matter who wins, it's going to be so fun to watch. And uh, whoever wins is gonna have to, is gonna definitely earn this uh, ticket to the uh, NLCS. So going on to uh, getting to watch and, and cover the uh, the Rays Red Sox game. This was one of the best playoff series I've ever seen. And like the momentum swings and the heroics. And I know the Rays lost, but like, can we talk about the ground rule double and your thoughts on on that in and of itself? Like where you're the defender, you make a mistake, but guess, oh, guess what? Like you're getting rewarded for your mistake by saving your team. Yeah, there's two things can be true. Uh, one, the rule is pretty unambiguous. The rule is the rule as written. Uh, it was called correctly, you know. What, we know that, but is the rule a good rule? It's a dumb rule and it should, like, I don't like it. But like I, I go back and forth. There should be some uh, ambiguity there. There should be a way for an umpire to to you know look at a video and say, no, he would have scored. He was rounding third when it hit off him. Like you know, there should be a way for an umpire to make that sort of judgment call. At the same time, like that just adds a whole nother part to the game where now you're relying on another umpire judgment call. You're relying, and then we we would have these nasty debates about that. I don't know if I like that, but I think I, I like that better than, oh, yeah, the rule's the rule, and, you know, what are you going to do? I, I think I would rather add one more judgment call that we can all argue about than just look at something that, and you know he would have scored and, and said, oh, well, you know, throw our hands up, nothing we can do. Uh, and I see your point because, for me, I don't want to put the umpires in a situation where they have to make this, like, logical judgment call that like, let's say that that was the case and, and the umpires had to move, you know, the Tampa Bay runners in Boston in this huge game this late, like that could get nasty in it, you know? And it's just like, it, it's, it's a bad spot in my opinion to put umpires in. But I do think that there should be a rule where like, Hey, guess what, defender? Get out of the way of the ball. Don't kick it into the stands unintentionally. You know, like, <laughs> like if the ball's bouncing back into the play of field and it hits you and goes out, you get three bases, like something like that, because <laughs> that makes I don't think that you should like you should make an error and get rewarded. And I'm not like like obviously he's there, but still don't let the ball bounce off of you and go out of the bounds. Like that's just like and like and I thought Greg Amsinger made a great point. And and basketball, if the ball bounces off you and goes out of bounds, guess what? The other team gets the ball. And football, if you go out of bounds, like you don't get the catch or whatever the case may be. Like you're penalized for your mistake. So. That is what had me all up in arms. And and by the way, Vasquez hit a two-run homer. We don't know what happens if they score those runs, the momentum, because you saw the air come out of the Rays. Anyway, but I still have to give so much credit to the pitching staff of the Red Sox, to the hitters of the Red Sox. Like, watching Devers, you know he's hurting, and he's crazy good at bats. But, like, 
now that I've really sat and like watched the Red Sox and 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 who knows what what they've gone through throughout the season, you know, because in the playoffs people become different, but they are gritty. I love Schwarber in the playoffs. He just he has what like honestly I didn't get to give him enough credit because Kike and Schwarber both in the playoffs are insane numbers, and I think Schwarber might even be better. Although Kike's swing right now is like as good as I've ever seen. Yeah, the Red Sox, I, you know, all year I've been overlooking them and a lot of it has to do with I just don't trust their starting pitching. And I, I just looked at uh, all the names on there, you know, Nick Pavetta, Eduardo Rodriguez, fine pitchers, quality pitchers. But, you know, are they good pitchers? Are they the kind of guys that can dominate another team? And, and no, they're not. But that just made me underrate their offense because they are just sending up guy after guy after guy. And you've got Kike Hernandez acting like he's facing Madison Bumgarner with every at bat because he used to crush Madison Bumgarner. You know, but like he's just he has that look when he would face the Giants. It was like, oh, this guy is, you know, Tony Gwynn mixed with Mike Trout, who is Kike Hernandez. And he has that look now and he's not even facing the Giants. But his swing is is the best I've ever seen because I've seen Kike messing with all sorts of stuff and like. Like most of the time, like I don't know his actual numbers. He was like hitting like 220, 240, but against the Giants or in like a big game, for instance, when he hit the three home runs against the Cubs, like he just seems to clutch up and the bigger the moment, the better he gets. But right now, his swing is so good as far as like the technicalities and the biomechanics that I've studied. It's like he has such a good chance of getting a hit every single bat. And a lot of his outs we're like missiles right at people uh, because he just has such a large window uh, to connect with the ball with the path that he's swinging with. So I got to break that down, which was really fun. But a couple other things like Pavetta looked disgusting. And I don't know if like there's like things that inspire a team and you see a team that's like locked in and like they just got like this aura and this like you can just feel it from them. And I saw a quote from Verdugo talking about like the the Rays winning game one and eating popcorn and like kind of disrespecting them or like doing something. And I don't know if they fed off of that, but you saw an angry Red Sox team. Like you could feel it from their pitchers. You could feel it like they were like they were coming. I love that in the playoffs. I thought uh, by the middle of game two, I just saw the Rays running away with it. I saw just there's no way you could stop them. They just they had this way of of getting two teams early and then suffocating them with the bullpen. Uh, and boy, did that change and that change quickly. At one point, it was five to two Rays. And then uh, that's when the Red Sox exploded. They had, you know, four run inning, a three run inning after that never looked back. And yeah, I, I think at one point they felt a, a little bit of disrespect because, uh, you know, if I'm giving them disrespect, you know, from my TV and I'm not really, I don't really care about either team as far as like, you know, I wouldn't I'm not, say we disrespected them. We just, oh no, I did. I oh, like disrespected them. Well, just I'm watching. I'm going, ah, no chance. You know what I mean? Like I, I was just okay, saying that, okay. you know. The Rays already had a one nothing lead. They had a big lead in game two. And like, I just sort of assumed my brain just went, okay, yeah, this is, let's get this over with. You know, I wasn't trying to be rude. It's just, that's, that's how my brain worked. And the Red Sox just at one point said, yeah, screw this. And they let, they thumped that collection of bullpen arms that the Rays were so proud of. Just didn't really stand a chance after the middle of game two. Yeah. And, and it just felt like, like Wander Franco and a Rosarena were something else like to watch like it wasn't like the Red Sox even though like you say that they like just ran away with it they were battles the Rays kept coming back and like it was like so much like there was so much drama and momentum swings in this series and so much like heroics to watch the Red Sox fought 
hard. And the Rays fought hard. Wander is something special. And a Rosa Rania is like clutch gene through the roof. Like he's got the clutch gene and it is like, it's insane how many times he came through. Same with Wander. They were just like, no matter how bad it looked, they kept like just finding a way to get him back in it. Uh, I felt a little bad because I did want to, like Nelson Cruz has had such a good playoff career and such a good career in general and he's never won a world series and I, I don't know if he was unhealthy but he didn't look like his same confidence and same self in this series and that could have been the swing is just like a little bit hurt or i don't know what was going on but it didn't look like the nelson cruz that i've always seen and i really wanted to see him like you know get an opportunity to be in another world series because you know nelson cruz has done a lot for the game of baseball and he's He's a really good player. But at the same token, like the Red Sox are going to be really fun. They're a wild team. And some of those moments were like absolute baseball magic at Fenway. A Rosarena, that is a good point because when he stole home, I was like, okay. You know, that's when I just figured, uh, okay, okay, okay. Like this is this is how it's going to be. It's going to be the Rays in three. Uh, let me just tell you something about a Rosarena. This was his fifth series with the Rays in the postseason. He had in this series, he hit 333 with a 474 on base percentage, a 600 slugging percentage. That's good for a 1,074 OPS. That is his lowest OPS in any one of the five postseason series that he's played for the Rays. The lowest is a thousand. Like he goes up to 1500. Like he, I've never seen a postseason player like him consistently over, you know, you have Mr. Octobers, you have Derek Jeter, but like for a guy to just not take a series off in five straight postseason series, it's hilarious. I wouldn't say hilarious. It's, uh, it's incredible. It's so good. It's hilarious. Once again, it's like it's a different game, and like he's a different player when it when it becomes that that prime time. And and we saw that from Wander, and we saw it from pretty much all of the Red Sox. They were like the definition of like a unity, and like a lot of different people clutching up at different times. Like Hauk, he clutched up in Game Two when they needed to shut shut down the Rays, and then in in Game Four when or yeah, I believe it was Game Four when he when he gives it up a little bit, the the next people pick him up. And when the pitchers gave it up, the hitters scored more. And they just, you, you felt that they reminded me, honestly, a little bit of the 2010 Giants with like the band of misfits where it's like, you know, we're bringing in Kike from the Dodgers and Schwarber from the Cubs and Nationals. And we're bringing in, you know, uh, you know, we just, they, we just got all these gritty guys that have been here for a while and have, you know, good regular seasons. But then like in the postseason, they're just like, you know, I think Edgar Renteria said one of the coolest things ever to me. And, and this was like, as I was getting into like my, my kind of prime, and he said, listen, you know, like rookies and all this stuff, they're going to do great, but veterans win championships. And it's true. It's like, it's, it, you're going to have rookies that are going to shine and sparkle, but it's the veterans that are the heartbeat that are leading the rookies that are get, that are paving the path. And typically there's a core of veterans that really carry that torch. And with the Red Sox, you have JD Martinez is, is a veteran, but you also have like that combination of they're also young, but they also are veterans, but they're young veterans with World Series experience. We're talking about Bogarts and Endeavors and like it's a fun mix of like youth and power and talent. And they've been around the block and yet they're still young and fresh. So uh, I have I am now paying attention to the Red Sox. I forget it. I, I am on on the Red Sox train. They're going to be tough for the Astros. I'll, I'll still take the Astros. Are they going to beat their... Are, I, I, still I still think... <laughs> that just reminds me of like, honestly, 2010, 2012, 2014 Giants. Nobody ever... They were like, I'm still taking the other team. Yeah, that's exactly what I mean, you know, I can, I can talk all I want. Way. 
that's I could talk all I want about how much I respect the Red Sox, and I do. Like, I think it's a tremendous team. I just think that the Astros have a little bit more pitching to shut down that. I think the offenses are close because it's going to be man. You can't get either of these teams out. I think the Astros will do a little bit better job of of getting them out, but we shall see. I've been wrong before. <laughs> yeah, you've been wrong a lot. So we both have. Uh, but I, I, I agree. Like, I thought that the White Sox series was going to be a lot tighter than it was. And they uh, they were impressive and dominant. There's a reason that they've been in the in a, uh, the AL Championship Series for five straight years. They're doing a lot of things right. And they are really good. And, and you have to give them credit. They're getting it done. They're just the unit. They're the, the empire. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. All right, uh, that is uh, postseason baseball. That's, uh, we'll have more thoughts about it next week, uh, but we're going to bring in a special guest right now. We are here with three-time World Series champion Jeremy Affelt. He is a member of, uh, or he was a member of the Core 4 bullpen of the Giants. Uh, he won a championship in 2010, 2012, 2014. He also won a pennant with the Rockies. Jeremy Affelt, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. We're getting some good weather down here in Texas now, so it's uh, it's a little it's a little cooler. It's good. Yeah, that fall Texas weather is much uh, much much easier than this summer in Texas. There, huh, Jeremy? You ain't lying, man. It's it's actually just started to cool down here this week. It was cooking pretty good. We've had some more rain, better rain than we've had, but uh, it's definitely uh, nice now. I sat out on my porch last night and had a little cigar. About sixty five degrees, no humidity. It was nice. Heck yeah. I want to I want to ask Jeremy, uh, I know you're raising five kids and you got the brewery company going on, but how much of the the postseason have you been able to watch? I'm very excited to get your thoughts. I know you've been following the Giants, but how much have you gotten to watch of all of the series? I've bounced around. I've watched a little bit here and there, kept up with it. I've seen some of the, you know, I'll kind of be like, I'll watch it and then I'll see where there's some action going on. Like uh, that Boston Tampa uh, ending was pretty interesting and classic playoff baseball you know people getting knocked out upsets all that stuff but i've enjoyed it man i think that's one thing that i don't miss a lot about 162 game season there hunter to be honest with you <laughs> it's tough yeah but i do miss the playoffs man i do the electricity of the playoffs is is there's nothing like it and the, the intensity of it I, I i loved everything about that so to watching these playoff games just brings you into that moment it's pretty awesome let me ask you a little bit. So your postseason experience, like like I said, it started with the Rockies and you're being used as uh, sixth inning, seventh inning, seventh inning, you know, typical late inning reliever stuff. With the Giants, you uh, show up in Philly, seventh inning, ninth inning. And then for game six of the 2010 NLCS, it's all of a sudden you've got Jonathan Sanchez with an early exit. You have, you know, tempers flaring against Chase Utley and, and Sanchez or John at each other. The bullpen's empty. You're back in the bullpen warming up. How was it different to be like, okay, now I'm coming in the second, like I'm closing the game in the third inning, basically. How, what was the, the mindset for that? Yeah, you know, it, it was an interesting one. I, Bochi and I weren't getting along very well at that time, to be honest with you. He, I feel like, you know, he almost, Costas in the Atlanta, like I've talked to him about it, so I'm not burying him. I love boats, but like, I, you know, there's a couple of things in the Atlanta Braves series where I was warming up and he let guys, two righties face uh, a lefty. Both of them hit homers. They both hit homers while I was warming up for them. So him and I were not real thrilled with each other. He knows I like to compete. And so coming into Philly, he kind of, I think, pitched me in a game uh, before that. I'd sat for almost 14 days. 
I'd thrown one inning and I was super upset with him and he knew it. But, you know, one of the coolest things about that moment uh, before that game, I was sitting in the bullpen and I'd thrown a light pen the other the, the day before. It was an angry pen session and Rags didn't talk to me a whole lot because I just was keeping my arm loose and I didn't want to talk to them either. So I kind of just threw on my own. And But I was sitting in the bullpen that day of game six and I just was like, man, I just want to be a part of something important. I pitched a long time. I've thrown a lot of meaningful games and, and I haven't felt like I was being used. And I was pretty frustrated. And so I remember thinking that. And then when, you know, Sanchez was getting a little, you know, uh, wild and he tended to do that from time to time. And then the whole Utley, Utley being Utley. I don't like Utley, never have, never probably will. So if I could hit him every time, I would be honest with you. <laughs> but uh, he was a great competitor uh, and I probably would love him on my team, but I prefer to you know, not, I, I just didn't really like the guy. Uh, so I knew he was being Utley and he caused it, which helped me. I think I called him the MVP of that series because it allowed me to have time to warm up by him causing a ruckus because I was coming in and I only had like four pitches when, when Boach called down and started warming me up one, I was like, Oh, now you're going to use me chaos game on the line. I'm pitching like almost 14 days and you're going to put me out there in this situation. I was like, well, I asked for it for the game. I was like, I want to be a part of something important. So I guess this is what was happening. And, you know, I was warming up and I knew it wasn't going well. And, and Guardi had said, you're going in like right now. And I was like, I got like four pitches. So we got a delay. And then, Utley, you know, they did that thing. And it was like, perfect. The Philly fans let me know that I did not go down. I call it the fake fights. Those things are rarely very real, to be honest with you. Uh, most of the time, it's everybody yelling at everybody else, asking how their family's doing, making it look like we're all angry, but we're really not. So they let me warm up. It gave me 10 extra pitches and coming into that game. And the biggest compliment I got from Boach is when he put the ball in my glove and he didn't take his hand out for a second. I didn't want to look at him. So I was kind of pissed off at him. And man, he just said, listen, I know you and I aren't seeing eye to eye, but I just want to let you know, this is why I saved you. You get me out of this jam right here we will go to the World Series. And that gave me so much confidence. And it was such a good thing to hear from your manager and to watch him walk off. It just gave me that courage to just buckle down and get it done. It, it was pretty exciting for me. That's a, such a, a wonderful story. And there's like so much behind all of these seasons. Like you said, the 162, what all the players are going through. But when you get into the playoffs, things just get so crazy and hectic. And describe a little bit, because obviously Game 7 in 2014, I think it was the third inning. Was it the third inning that you came in as well? So, like, as far as, like, bullpen and, like, you watched the Red Sox series. That one was a wild one. We were going to bullpens early. What is the feeling, like, preparing for a regular 162 game in a bullpen and in the playoffs getting into the bullpen? Good question, Hunter. You know, that's a, that's a strictly of a mindset, to be honest with you. And it's a mindset that guys have to know going in to that, to the playoffs. And it's a learned mindset, to be honest with you. If you're not coached in it, if it's assumed you're going to be in trouble. Uh, I learned that a little bit with Colorado going to the playoffs with them. And then with Boach, just in 10 and 12 alone, you, you just kind of knew that he doesn't run it like a normal skit, right? He just doesn't. If he thinks the seventh inning is the fourth inning, he's putting you in the fourth. I mean, that's just what he's doing. And he'll figure out how to run it from there. But you know, the back end of the bullpen guys work that seventh, eighth inning role. You know, a closer is always going to be a closer. You're never going to see a closer coming in the fifth inning for obvious reasons. But the seventh, eighth inning guys 
we're basically rally killers to a point. We have to figure out a way a lot of times to stop any kind of momentum before it gets out of hand and we can get that ball to the closer to let him seal the deal. In the playoffs, the closer might throw two innings. I mean, it, he might. That might just be how it is. Well, that's because everything kind of changes. But, you know, I, I think Boach did a really good job in, in, in our bullpen was around for every one of those World Series for the most part. And we just understood it. And, and coming in early, you knew it was going to happen. You never let it. That's why it was so mentally draining on bullpen. I mean, you position players, you're going to get mentally drained. I mean, you're, you have to be on all the time. So, you know, but bullpen guys, you know, we have to change our mindset to be available innings pretty much three through nine. And the later you get in that game, game five against L.A. here tomorrow, that bullpen better be ready from the second inning on. It just is what it is. And you have to get that. And it drains you. It really does. But we were built for it. And Bochi had, had mentored us for a couple of years, a couple of playoff runs and a couple of World Series uh, championships. So we knew what we were getting into. So I was just ready. Uh, he kind of prepped me in game seven. He let me know that. Uh, Huddy was old <laughs> and uh, he, we didn't know how long he was going to last. He's an old guy, but uh, he said, man, I'm not going to let it get out of hand. It's game seven. Be ready from the second inning on. If he gives up two, three hits in a row, you're in the game. So I, I was ready for it, but he can tell you that that doesn't necessarily mean you're ready. Uh, and he got us ready. And, and I was so thankful for that because I think it helped everybody in game seven. Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever, and that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. One more great product from LinkedIn. You're there to network, you're there to look for jobs, you're there to post jobs, and how about LinkedIn Sales Navigator? It's a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, surface key signals such as job job changes or which accounts you should prioritize and shows you hidden allies so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash baseball show. That is linkedin.com slash baseball show for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash baseball show and get started. Now, I just put something together. I'm going to bring it back uh, just a little bit to what we were talking about before this, because I just put two and two together where you're saying that most baseball fights are a little bit, you know, lame and that they're talking about families. And I, I, I see that at the same time in 2009, Shane Victorino upsets the Giants. Eli Whiteside is hopping around. There's a little bit of a Donnybrook. And I wrote about this this year. And one of the things like I, I was trying to Zapruder film, I was trying to like rewind and pause and rewind and pause because it looked like you and Hunter were a little bit angry at each other or, or there was like something, there, there was an intensity between you two specifically. I don't know if I'm just making this up, but like, was there, I don't know. No, what happened was, and Hunter and I have talked about this. It was actually really funny. Like 2010, because we did the whole jawing thing, we eliminated it. It was 2011. Oh, that's right. That's right. That Ramon Ramirez hit Shane. Shane went out to get him, but it was just a dumb 
fight. Another one of them. We all ran Still in. Still dumb. Okay. Yeah. Victory no, didn't even know what he was doing, by the way. Like he was like, <laughs> I, he like tackled a coach. Like he was just like he was just like kind of goofing off. Honestly, I think it was the weirdest thing. And I actually had Shane. I think by the I think I had him kind of a little bit wrapped up in the middle of the scrub. Well, Moda reached over and it was hilarious he reached over me i see these hands coming over me and moda calmly removed shane's helmet from his head so it wouldn't hit me in the face <laughs> so because he is moda was just hilarious he's like here let me remove that and then we kind of whatever everybody talked it was dumb but then what happened was is and that loaded the bases for utley to come up and again i do not like utley so bochi looks at me and goes you got it i'm like seriously He's like, yeah. I'm like, why do you always do that? You, we get this huge fight. You put me in. Everybody wants to rip that pitcher's head off. Like they do. And Hunter will tell you that. The next guy coming after that, they want to do something. Either to the guy that's still in the game or the guy coming in for the guy that just got kicked out. Someone's getting embarrassed. You know? And so I'm like, God, man, you do that every time. So I warmed up, came running in. And then the, the umpires gave us warnings. And I'm like, whatever. His base is loaded. Obviously, you know, I'm not going to try to hit anybody here. But then I threw a curveball at Utley and I hung it. Utley, he likes to get hit. He, that's what I'm saying. I don't like him. <laughs> if I'm on, the, if he's on my team, I probably would love him because he causes things to happen. I mean, that's just what he does. So he sticks his head out in front of the curveball and takes it on the top of the helmet. And then he points at me and says, you got to throw him out because the warnings. And I was like, you can't throw. So I'm yelling at the umpire, you can't throw me out. Like he stuck his head over the plate. And the umpire is like, I'm one step ahead of you. Utley, get back in the box. Well, now you got problems because now I really frankly don't care if I hit you now because it's I'm pretty pissed off. So I look at, uh, was it McKay? Was he your bench guy? He was your yeah, bench guy, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So McKay, I look over at McKay and I'm like, you better get somebody warmed up for Utley. And he goes, what? I said, you better get someone ready for Utley. He's like, don't talk to me. I'm like, well, I'm going to talk to you because I got to let you know as a bench coach that I'm about to break your second baseman's kneecap because I'm throwing this ball off his bad knee and I know he has a bad one and I'm going to hit him. And Utley's just standing there looking at me as I'm yelling at McKay. And I look over at Utley and I said, get in a box. And he looks over at me. I said, yeah, I'm hitting you. And the umpire is like, don't do it, Jeremy. I'm like, you can't throw me out until I do it. So you're going to have to wait. Utley, get in a box. I'm going to hit you in the knee. So I throw this sinker right at his knee and I'll give it to him. It was awesome. He put his bat right in front, right in. I mean, he, the guy's good. I mean, I'm not going to say he's not good because he is good. He puts the bat right in front of his knee and he, he literally makes contact and he hits it to belt. Well, belt just fields it and steps on first base. And I just run up the line. And Utley crosses the bag in the outfield, and I follow Utley into the outfield. And I'm like, take the first punch, buddy. You might kick my butt, but I'm, I'm going to get some good ones in. So go ahead. Well, Utley's really pretty good at just making you feel like you can't bother him. He just stayed left and went back into the dugout, and that was it, you know? But then the problem is, is the next inning, Bochy's like, you still got it. I'm like, dang it, Boach, I got you out of a jam. Well, Hunter comes up and I throw this sinker that did not sink and he hit that ball. I swear it hit the Coke bottle. He hit that ball so <laughs> far and grunted and I'm like, oh boy. I mean, it went so far. 
that's what he was trying to do, man. And he hit the ball a long way, man. He had some, he had, he put both his glutes into that one. It, it, it was a bomb. It's pretty funny. I remember Huff was holding me and, and like there was all this scuff. And I do remember that was probably one of the more intense like things. Cause like Schneider came out of there pretty bad. No, that was actually a real legit argument. I was exhausted. It was mainly a wrestling match for me, just like pulling people off and all of that. Uh, but the Giants were like intense in that one. And uh, I, I honestly don't remember any interactions with you in that particular thing. But I just remember afterwards, I was so pissed. And like, because Ramirez just hit us because we were kind of like boat racing him. We were just crushing everything. And then I do remember a little bit of the Utley getting hit and getting back in the box. And then I remember afterwards, I was all excited. And Utley was like, I just hope everyone's okay. And that was like his his comment to me because he was just focused on the playoffs. And then I, I, you had dominated me before that. I couldn't get a hit off of you. And and like at that time in my career, I never faced a lefty other than Affelt. Like, and he was like 97 sinker. But I was so mad that they just drilled us for no reason. And that's what – and like I was just blacked out seeing red. And he, he put one over the middle, unfortunately. And then after that, I started hitting Affelt better. I got lucky. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I could not hit him before that fight. And then, and then it was awesome getting to be teammates with him. It was good times. But anyway, back to questions. That's a great story time. I, I love I love hearing your perspective of it, and uh, it was cool getting to be a part of the the Giants after that, being like fighting them and then being on the team. But I want to talk to you a little bit about just what have you seen in the playoffs, and like let's talk about Game Five, Giants and Dodgers. Your thoughts, Webb Urias. Urias is one of the most clutch, dangerous pitchers I've seen. But same with Logan Webb right now. Yeah, no, I agree. I, you know, we this has been a really interesting series for me to watch because. Man, it's either a shutout or a boat race by the other team. It's not been really like a 5-4, you know, it's been, you know, one nothing, 3 nothing, 9-2, to 7-2 or whatever it's been, you know. So it's been interesting. I think what you're starting to see, in my opinion, bullpens are super important. They really are. Being able to be available every single day is going to be important. You have your days off in the playoffs. So bullpens get wore out. And I think with Kapler – what I saw yesterday was I think guys were not thinking, let's put the nail in the coffin. I think they were thinking, man, we could actually move on right here. And that should never be the mentality for me. And I, I mean, I could be perfectly wrong. It's just how I read it. It just felt like the pitching staff was really, really tight. Wasn't their main guys in the back end pitching. I get that. But I mean, you could see the young kid, man, he's 22 years old, that lefty, but his chest was bouncing up and down trying to pitch. He was not calm. He was unrested. Everybody saw it. You see the Dodgers start to kind of go up there like statues and take pitches. You know, they weren't really, they knew that everybody was tight. And for me, the mentality is all the pressures on the Dodgers. None of it should be on us. And I don't feel like that's happened yesterday. I think what I saw yesterday is the Giants put all the pressure on them and the Dodgers were pretty relaxed, which cannot happen. It cannot happen. They were 2-0 all the time. They were not 0-1-0-2. They weren't pounding the zone. They were nitpicking. It was, and so I didn't, I, I just think that that's what happened there. And it can't happen in game five. I don't think you'll see that in game five. I think you're going to see two starters that have a mentality of, hey, we're going to win or go home. It's one or the other. And that's what you actually need. You need starting pitchers in game five. You need to have a bum garter mentality that just goes out there and he says, if you beat me, we go home, but I have no intention of getting beat. And if you're going to beat me, you're going to beat me because I'm attacking you. 
I'm not pitching around you. I'm not scared of you. I'm not giving you free passes. You're going to have to earn it. And I'm going to force you to swing the bat. And that's what game five has to be. I think it will. I just feel like the games that uh, the Giants weren't doing too well, that bullpen has come in and they've just been really gun shy. And, and, and that can't be a, that can't be a part of the skit. You got to go in there and just be mono we mono, man. It's who's got the bigger set of balls here. We're going to go out there. We're going to compete with it. And hopefully that's what we'll see in game five. That's the only way to play that game. You've got with uh, Logan Webb starting, but you also have Kevin Gossman on full rest. Do you think he would be an option to come in? Like, I'm not talking, I don't I have no idea when, but fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth. I mean, would he be an option for that? Yeah, he needs to be an option. I think that you have to utilize him in game five, like you utilize Timmy, uh, you know, and that we utilize Timmy in, in this, the Reds, uh, the Red series. Uh, I think in Detroit, he's got a great sinker, he's got a great split. He's looked good in his last two or three starts. He kind of got back to that ball at the bottom of the zone going up when he needed to. I think he kind of got away from that when he was having a struggle in the second half. He was kind of elevating his pitches. When you elevate a sinker, it's not going to be good. You know, you got to pitch to the bottom of the zone and you got to force seam it up when he has to and utilize that split. And for me, the way I've watched the Dodgers, you keep the balls at the bottom of the zone in the strike zone, it's really tough. Those guys are they're hunting heaters up. They are. I mean, you saw Betts, even that ball was on the black yesterday when he hit a homer, it was belt high away. And they're hunting that heater up, man. They're not hunting that stuff down. And I feel like that's where Logan Webb was really good with that slider the first game. I mean, that was nasty. And he kept the ball at the bottom, went up and in when he had to. And that's why Gosman, I think, would be a great guy to utilize in this situation. And then they've got to go to that bullpen, that back end. Man, it just is what it is. Hey, guys, if it doesn't work out, we got three months to recover. If it does work out, you got a couple days to recover anyway. So you got to utilize them. Everybody's going to have to cover some innings, maybe more than they're supposed to. You're going to have to up pitch count a little bit. And like I said, you're just going to have to put your back against the wall. And, and there's no flight here. There's only fight. We've had you booked for a, a little while now. And so this is just sort of a serendipitous that you're the one we're talking to because on Monday, when Gavin Lux is up, he hits the ball. I think it's going out. So I stand up. I see Duggar go underneath it. And I go run toward the TV to get a better look. I slipped. I broke my elbow. Okay. Oh, and so after yeah. I tweeted about this, uh, everyone's responding to me with Affeld, Jeremy Affeld. Like I got like 30 tweets referencing your name. So do you get tired of being known in part for like the weirdo injuries that you would uh, had sometimes? I think it's just going to be it. Like I thought, man, people are just not getting over that, you know, but <laughs> it just, it just is. I mean, that's, that's what it, it's going to happen. And you'd be honest with you. The reason why it happens is because if we were losing for the years I was there and I would get weird injuries, no one would ever think about it. But what I learned from being a part of a town that wins is the memories that are etched in people's brains are crazy. Awesome. And it's because they were excited and full of life at that time. I mean, they had something to go to the ballpark for 40,000 people at every game. You know, you get randomly hurt and people are thinking it, it, it's like, oh, what an idiot. It's true. I would say there's a couple of them there. That, I mean, one, for sure, the stabbing, you're a flat out idiot, you know, so that's fine. But <laughs> like, you know, like you just don't do frozen hamburgers. It's not that hard to let them thaw out. I it was dumb. But the weird injuries happen a lot of times right in that moment where everybody was having some incredible memories made, whether it be old, middle, young. I mean, it, just incredible times. So it's, it's just going to happen. People are just going to remember those things because that's just how it is. 
Luckily for you, Grant, you get to talk to Jeremy so you can feel a little bit better and sympathize. (laughs) What was it that happened in Cincinnati? You got hit with a foul ball or something in the dugout? That was Blanco, late hack. I think the ball was already in the catcher's glove. Hits it right into the dugout, which in Cincinnati, Hunter, remember that you got to be pretty late, man. That dugout's pretty close to home plate, you know? And he was like, I think the ball was by him and he hit it right there. Well, Rags, it came right at Rags. I was standing behind Rags. Rags ducks. <laughs> All of a sudden, I see this ball. I have no place to go but down. So I drop straight down, slip down the steps and land right on my thumb and like sprain my UCL on my thumb joint. Like, <laughs> Then I couldn't pitch, and Boach is like, oh, you got to be kidding me. You know, like freaking out, you know, game five, he was all ticked off. And Javi, Javi's over there like, man, right when I saw that ball go in the dugout and I saw a bunch of people start looking, he's like, that's Affel. I'm just going to start warming up. And he did. He just started warming up. The phone was rang. He was already warming up. Oh, man. Javi knew. Javi knows everything. Last question. I want to just get your take on on the Red Sox. Do they remind you? Because they kind of remind me a little bit. And I wasn't on this team of the 2010 Giants, like the band of misfits and just a little bit of that just grittiness. Do you see that same kind of like analogy? And, And also, who are you taking in the AL Championship Series? Dude, I I do see a little bit of that. You know, Boston, anybody in that East, to be honest with you, is dangerous because they got a scrap. I mean, you look at Toronto. Toronto had a great year, too. They can't even make the playoffs. You know, was it 91 wins or something? Like, every you have to scrap in that division. That is is a nasty division to, to be a player in, but it's a great, great division. It's just really tough. So, I mean, Boston beating Tampa. I mean, that was pretty awesome. And they stepped up, the hitters, but the hitters started getting hot near the end, man. It, and they got a good team. They got some guys that can swing the bats, and, and they have some pretty good pitching. But, man, Houston, I'll tell you what, man, I look at those guys. They're relentless, man, and, and they've done it so much. I mean, you're looking at a Houston Astros team that the core of that entire team has been five straight championship series. It's not like their first rodeo, you know, so they're going to be – pretty tough to unseat. I really think that. And part of me, man, I, I just look at baseball and, and and how it works a lot of times. I think we did it in 2014, you know, Hunter with, with Huddy. We won a World World Championship for Huddy. We know he's on his way out. He has not gotten one. He's a part of those Oakland teams that were incredible. Never got one. Atlanta never got one. We wanted it really for that guy. 100%. And we were just like, we got to figure out a way to do this. And I think that's why he cried. And a lot of us cried with him, man. It was just a crazy, awesome deal. And you look at Dusty, man, every one of those Houston Astros players knows that guy's history. And uh, he was my manager in Cincinnati. Again, (laughs) we didn't get along, him and I, just because he runs bullpens a little interesting. Seems to happen everywhere, Jeremy. (laughs) Huh? Seems to happen everywhere. Huh? Yeah, and people do not run the bullpens right, like, and they just need to listen to me. You know, no, but but I will be honest with you. If the Giants are in the World Series, there's a hundred percent. I'm pulling. I'm pulling for the Giants. One hundred percent. That's all there is to it. But if they're not, you know, the Astros, I'm gonna pull the whole time because I think Dusty, man, he he's had some lot of good teams, and he's just had some. Bad luck a few times. Chicago, what a crappy luck that he had right there where he had that sealed in the back. And then obviously the Giants, Angels, you know, and I just feel like for me, it's time for him, you know, as long as it's not the Giants, it's time. And I think he he knew what he had and he had to bring this team back from some pretty rough scenarios with this whole cheating fiasco deal going on. And he had to work through that and get the players, to keep the players on track. And uh, you know what? I'm, I'm pulling for the Astros at least be in the World Series.
All right. Well, before you go, uh, do you want to plug your brewery? Yeah, you know, Free Roam Brewing Company, man. We're on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, we're going to be open up hopefully November 1. We're a give back brewery, you know, so I, I learned that a lot. Hunter's been to a lot of them. I love giving back and I love using, you know, taps and brewing, brewing companies to give back to the community. My brewer and GM have both come from 21st Amendment right there in San Francisco. They both come over with me because I developed a great relationship with them and we're looking forward to it. And each one of our beers are going to end up giving back to a cause. That's just kind of what I'm all about. Uh, we're going to have a podcast studio in the brewery. Uh, I'm going to start doing some podcasting myself, but we're going to have a studio right there in the brewery and uh, we're going to have a good time. So it's going to be a really cool situation. I'm super excited for it and just really excited to be a part of something like this. This has been my dream for a long time. So I'm super excited I get to do that. So I appreciate that. That's incredible. I got to say something to that because I know you don't just talk about it. You be about it. You even have a tattoo on your arm that says no man should live for himself. So all the best to you and free Rome. And I know that you do great things in the community and, and uh, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast, Jeremy. Thank you. Appreciate it. Good seeing you guys. Yeah, no, I, what I hear is podcast studio and I'm thinking uh, Hunter road trip. And instead of baseball barista, we're five beers in doing a podcast in the other. Hey, that sounds like picks. a great time. That sounds like a yeah, great time. I love it. Love it. You guys come down. We'll do it. We'll do it. We good. Thanks for coming on. We really, really appreciate it. Good stuff. Awesome, guys. All right. Well, thank you to Jeremy Affeldt. We're going to be back next Thursday. Let's think about this. When we are back next week, we're going to know who's in the NLCS. We're going to know uh, who's jumped out ahead in the ALCS. We're going to have some stuff to talk about. You excited, Hunter? Always excited. Mainly really hoping everyone enjoys. I know this is airing on Thursday, so get your popcorn, get your sodas, get ready for one of the best nights in baseball we've had in many, many years. 106 wins, 107 wins, prime young pitchers on the mound. Let's get it. Stresses me the hell out just thinking about it right now. And it's like, I mean, you already broke your away. elbow on this series. <laughs> no, you're stressed, dude. Relax. You got to relax and enjoy. Man, but imagine, let's imagine both ways Dodgers winning at Oracle Park against the Giants. And imagine Giants winning at Oracle Park against the Dodgers. Bananas. It, it's I, either banana sandwich or or it's going to be awkward. I will say I covered the, the 2017 and 2018 World Series. Uh, I covered the 2017, went to the Game 7 against the Astros. And again, I didn't have a rooting interest, but as I walked out, Boy, were there a lot of sad Dodger fans. You know, after the Astros won game seven, you had this intensity. And it was like the feeling of walking out of a ballpark where everyone around you is just distraught. It's a weird feeling. And so my proposal is that, that the Giants don't let that happen. That's, you know, I think I think it's just better for everyone involved. We got to watch the players play, see who's going to earn their way to the NLCS. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be filthy. <laughs> all right we will be back next thursday and we'll know what in the heck happened and we'll talk baseball because that's what we do thanks for listening we'll see you then i love coffee <laughs>